Hey, this is Greg Sanders. Thanks for listening today. It's our hope that this message will help you connect to God, grow in His Word, and serve the kingdom in a greater capacity. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Today we're in the week, uh, I think week three or four on our series, Open Our Eyes. And if you're new to our church, by the way, if this is your first time to ever be here, I'll be on the front porch after service. I'd love to greet you and meet you and put a gift in your hand say, thanks for being here. I'd love to meet uh, every new person. Or if you've been here two or three times and uh, we didn't get a chance to meet the first time, I'd love to meet you and put that gift in your hand after service as well, if that's you. But we've been praying this year. You'll see these banners around the sides of our church and this one beside me. Our prayer theme for 2023 is, Lord, open my eyes. And every week we've been discovering that there are certain things that we just don't see in the natural. And so we need the Lord to help us open our eyes. And today's topic is simply... We need the Lord to help us to open our eyes to the schemes of the enemy. Now, did you know you have an enemy? Sometimes I feel like we come to church, we do the deal, and we feel like that all we're trying to do is successfully navigate life. We're just trying to survive the game of life. But friends, can I tell you, this is not just trying to get through life. There is someone who is trying to, who is currently scheming to trip you up, to devastate the plan of God in your life. You know, and I love watching uh, and reading, but mainly watching, uh, watching movies about, does anyone like to watch movies like about the Revolutionary War, like historic movies. Uh, I'm tempted to tell you what my favorite movie is, but you might get kind of judgmental uh, on me, so I'm not going to. But I just love when you see, you know, especially the Revolutionary War. And my understanding from, uh, from watching the movies and going to history class a few times, all that kind of stuff, uh, is that especially like when our nation was founded was the, the way you would uh, combat the enemy is that one army would get all of its soldiers and cannons and things on one side of a field but no trees to hide behind, just out there, right? And someone else, the other army would get on the other side of the field with all their stuff and they would start firing each other in somewhat orderly fashion and the person with the most people and the most guns and the most cannons, the ones who had the most firepower would be the one who would win. And the person with the less guns and people and cannons would be the ones that lost. And um, our someone realized that that is not a good way to fight if you're the person with the lesser amount of soldiers and the lesser amount of cannons. And so in our history, there was this thing called the militia. How many of you remember this from your history, right? And the militia would kind of go around and they would fire from wooded areas. They would hide under bridges. They would, they would meet in, and they would shoot out of dark places. They would, they would sort, of, they sort of negated the regular rules of war because they realized there is no way that this lesser army could overpower a greater army if, they, if everything was just done out in the open. And so they began to operate in a different way. This morning, the reason we need this message is... Contrary to what you believe, the army of God is not weaker than the army of the devil. You, as the people of God, are not weaker 
than the devil and his demons and minions. Matter of fact, even just numerically, there's more on God's side than there is on his side. So the devil knows he can never defeat you, he can never defeat me, if he just assaulted us with a full frontal attack. We would recognize that more than that, we're more powerful than he is. And some of you are just, you're arguing with me right now. I can see it in your hair. You're arguing with me. You're thinking, no, 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 no. The devil is more powerful than I am. I mean, he's been around for a long time, and I'm just 18 years older. No, no, no. No. You're more powerful. God in you makes you more powerful than him. And so the only way he can defeat you and attack you is if he does it through deception. And I did a little bit of Facebook stalking yesterday. And I decided to put pictures of all of you on the screen this morning. So if you'll turn your... No, I'm not really. <laughs> I thought about it. But I, but I just begin to look at some of your profile pictures and Facebook pictures. And I don't know if you realize this. You have something to lose. I hope when you see your family picture, you realize... I've got a lot at stake. I hope when you look in the mirror at yourself, you understand God's value of you. And you realize that there is too much at stake for you to be blind to the schemes of the enemy. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, if you forgive anyone, in verse 10, I also forgive him. And if I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven it in the presence of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan should not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I hope this morning you are not unaware of the schemes of the enemy. For our text today, I want to look at Joshua chapter 9. The uh, people of God have escaped from Egypt. They've spent 40 years in the wilderness because they were not willing to go into the promised land uh, like God promised. And so a whole generation of God's people have died off. There's only two guys who are still left alive who even remember what it was like to see the Lord bring them through the water and, uh, and see what God did and, and believe the promises. One of those guys' name is Joshua. He's their leader. He's just seen God deliver the city of Jericho that could not be defeated in most people's eyes, fall to, to God's army. They've just defeated Ai. And now a people from Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai. And they resorted to, what's that word? A ruse. Don't you love that word? A ruse, that's deception, trickery. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said unto him and the Israelites, We've come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us, so how can we make a treaty with you? 
We're your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where did you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of your Lord God. And we've heard the reports of all that he did in Egypt, how uh, all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. And our elders and all those in our country said, Take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants and make a treaty with us. The bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home the day we left to come see you. But now see how dry and molded it is. And all the wineskins that were filled with, with new were new, but see how cracked they are. And our clothes and our sandals are worn out by a very long journey. Let me just stop and make sure we're on the same page. Are you picking up that they're lying to Joshua? You're picking up what I'm putting down? They're lying. They dressed up old clothes, brought moldy bread, wore their old worn-out shoes. They're trying to put on this facade to deceive Joshua and their people. And so Joshua made a treaty with them. He, he examined, there's a very damning sentence here. It says, Joshua ex- he examined the bread, he examined the wineskins, he examined their clothes, he examined their sandals, but he did not seek the Lord, and he made a treaty with them. Father, I pray that today you'll hope, open our eyes to the schemes of the enemy, that just like the enemies of God's people in that day were scheming to try to steal from the people of God what you said belonged to them, In the same way, the enemy is still scheming, using deception and trickery to steal from us what he otherwise could never take. I pray this morning you will help me, anoint me above my own ability to speak the words of God, the words of God alone. Anoint our ears, our hearts, and our minds to hear what the Holy Spirit will want to say to us, and we'll give you thanks for it. And everybody in the room said amen. Amen. Joshua has been an outstanding, no compromise full speed ahead, trust God completely, never doubt his word. Joshua has been an ardent servant of God. He's been Moses' right-hand man when he was alive. He's been the guy who would believe God when no one else believed God. Joshua is not, he's not a new-to-the-scene guy. He's not a weak believer. He has been the man. But now the man is deceived Because he chose to live by what he saw instead of the voice of God. He was duped, deceived, double-crossed, whatever word you want to use. The guy that would believe God and follow him anywhere was marginalized and gave up part of what God promised him. Because in this moment, he wasn't aware of the enemy's schemes. What made Joshua so easy to deceive was a few things, and I want you to maybe write these down, they're not in your notes, but number one, Joshua was easy to deceive, number one, because he believed what he saw. Let me just tell you, you can't always believe what you see. Number two, he believed what people said. They said, we are from a far distance. They were actually just three days away. Joshua and his crew ran into the people of Gibeon three days later in their normal travels. Joshua, here's a big one, assumed he knew the answer. And then, of course, last but not least, he failed to seek the Lord. He thought this 
sounds so good, it looks so good, it seems to be true, it was on Facebook and it was on YouTube, so therefore it must be true. He didn't seek the Lord. Joshua was in the presence of nearby enemies and didn't recognize it. I wonder how often we are in the presence of nearby enemies and we don't recognize it because we're not aware that what Jesus said in John 10, that the enemy's out to kill, steal, and destroy from you Monday through Friday and Saturdays and Sundays too. That's what he's doing 24-7. That's what he was doing when you woke up this morning. That's what he was doing when, when you went to bed last night. He was scheming how he can destroy from you what God has given you. And so I want to talk about how, what does Joshua's deception teach us about overcoming the enemy schemes today. And the first thing that this deception, I hope, teaches us, Brandy kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago, and that is this, that, that the enemy is still using this trick today. The enemy uses deception today. Matter of fact, I, I'm not sure if it's not his preferred mechanism on how to, how to confront the people of God. It says he resorted to a ruse. The people of, of Gibeon resorted to a ruse to conquer or, or to, to rob from God's promises to Joshua because they knew if, our, if we fight Joshua head to head, if we meet him on the field of battle, we are no match for Joshua and we are no match for his God. I want you to know this morning that when Satan looks at you, he looks at you the same way. He says, I am no match for that person or the, or the God of that person. I am no match for that connect group leader. I'm no match for that family. I'm no match for that church. There's no way I can conquer them in my own so much to go find a side door and trick them into yielding what I can never steal from them. That's what the enemy thinks of you. The enemy knows in a head-to-head -head combat with a believer, he loses every time. First John says that you are dear children of the Lord. And if God is for, I'm sorry, because the one who is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Romans 8.31 reminds us that if God is for us, who can be against us? 1 John chapter 5 says that everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. How many times do you go through your life and you think, I'm barely getting by? I feel like I'm overcome rather than an overcomer. Because the enemy has somehow deceived you into believing that you're lucky. That you're having a great day if you can just get through the day without gathering the enemy's attention that you've won something. And friends, you've never, you were never created to live a life as a victim. You know, do you, do you remember Gideon's story? Gideon the mighty warrior? When we find Gideon in Scripture, the first place we find him is he is hiding out, just trying to, 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 to thresh a little bit of wheat, hoping, to, to hoping that he can get by providing food without being seen. He doesn't seem like a mighty warrior because he didn't realize the power of God in him. Too many of us, we forget about the power of God that is in us. We're so, we're so concerned that the devil's out to get us. Friends, can I tell you, he is out to get you, but he cannot do it when you're aware of his schemes. I, I want to I kind of give you a visual representation of what I'm talking about this morning. 
I want to ask these gentlemen to come help me this morning. Bill, if you'll come help me this morning. And uh, I need one more victim, I mean helper, uh, this morning. Olivia, how you feeling? Not, not so much? Not so much? Okay. Who wants to be a victim? I need some. No, you're too strong. I need someone that won't hurt me if they hit me. You want to? You want, come on. Come on. All right. All right. Y'all give her a hand. All right. Now then. Tell her about your first name so they'll know. I'm Gabby. Gabby. Okay, Gabby. Here is your, uh, here's your, here's your, here's your, uh, let me have this. Here's your goal. Let me get out of the way. Your goal is, try, is to try to break open this pianata. Uh, Easy for me to say, right? Yeah. You got to break that thing open, all right? Now then, how many times, how many shots do you think it's going to take you to hit it? You think, no, no, just like you are. You think you can hit on your first try? You think you can hit on your first try? Probably. How about a little bit more confidence? How about absolutely? How many of you think that, that you could hit it on your first try? Okay. All right, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if, what if I roll this up, and in case I'm not a good blindfolder, you go, up. Oh, there you go. It's not your first rodeo. What if I blindfold you, and just because we're in church, you go ahead and help me out and close your eyes anyway, and now I'm going to spin you 17 times. <laughs> now then, how confident do you think you are at hitting that, whatever that is? I'm not sure if it's a, a unicorn. How, how, how confident? Why don't you try? Try to hit it. Good. And we want to hit it with this side, yeah, because I'm... I've got it on the there you go. You got it. Hold it like that. You're doing great. Okay, now try to hit that thing. If you hit it, you get all the candy in it. On your mark, set, go. Start swinging. You got to swing at it. Go ahead. That's okay. Just start swinging. See what happens. Just swing. Y'all give her some hints. Yeah, that helps, all, that helps a lot. Go ahead now. They're saying go to your left. Go to your left. Move forward. Uh, oh, there you go. Hit it again. Hit it again. Hit it again. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh. All right, you can take off your blindfolder. You know what? After church, come and see me. You can have all the candy in it, all right? But uh, can, I, can I just tell you, thank you guys. Y'all were supposed to be protecting me, and I didn't feel very protected. I just want you to know. <laughs> a picture of Gabby with a blindfold on. That is the enemy's perfect situation he wants for you. He wants you blindfolded by his schemes so that you cannot hit the target that God has for you. And can I tell you, I mean, everyone in the room lifted their hands. Except for some of you, you're like, I'm not lifting my hand if the building's on fire. Most of you lifted your hand and you said, I could hit that on my first shot if I could see. The enemy knows you could take him out in one shot. 
if you could see. So he's doing his dead level best to deceive you so you are not aware of the schemes that he has for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says it like this. says, the God of this age, that's a little g, not the God we serve. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me tell you what deception does. Deception gets you to voluntarily give up what the enemy can never steal from you. That's what deception does. That's why he tries to put blindfold on your eyes. And, and listen, in the room today, whether you've been saved, you've been a Jesus follower for five minutes or 50 years, can I tell you, the enemy is still trying to put his blindfold on you. So we have to decide, here's point two, I can't live by what I see and what I hear in the natural 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says, Paul says, Sometime, Somehow I fear that your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways. Not the stupid ways. Not the, not the, the easy to spot ways. But the cunning ways of the enemy. If I live by what I see and what I, by, what, what I hear in the natural, I am going to be blinded blindfolded by the enemy and miss out on what God has for me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says like this, that even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So some things that look good and sound good and feel good aren't good. Paul refers to the deception of Eve. He says, you know what? She was... She was deceived by cunning words. And so no matter what you're going through today, you can't live by what you see. You can't even live by what you think because most of us think carnal thoughts in the natural. We have to have spiritual thoughts. We have to have thoughts that are guided by the Word of God and inspired by the Spirit of God. We need thinking that's above our own thinking. We need thoughts that's above our own way of thinking. We need, we need to be like Joshua and not just look at what we see, not just... Go about what we can feel, but we need to ask the Lord, God, what do you say about this? Matter of fact, most of us would be much more successful in conquering the enemy's schemes if we would just say this prayer out loud or say this statement out loud. If we would just say this, there's more to see than what I see. If Joshua would have taken a step back and said, I see the bread, I see the crusty wineskins, I see their worn out clothes, I see their filthy sandals, but, but there's more to see than what I see. Can I tell you something about your life in 2023? There's more to see than what you see. See, most of us, we operate on this level. This is the natural level. What can I see with my eyes? You know, one of our our favorite destinations as a kid, we lived not very far, an hour and 15 minutes or so from Hot Springs. And so as a kid, we grew up going to Hot Springs all the time. All the where we, but, but downtown Hot Springs used to be confusing to me. Like every time I go, I just, I just go knowing that I'm going to get lost. And when I see the parking lot that I turned, in and la turned around in last time, I know to turn around in it again and go back. I mean, I was just, it's like a hopeless case. I mean, I'm pretty good with directions, but... Downtown Hot Springs was a mystery to me until about 1998 
I took Megan on a date to this. If you've ever been downtown Hot Springs, there's this tower on top of this mountain. And we went on top of the mountain, went up on this tower. And all of a sudden, all these roads that I've been driving on all my life, I looked down and from a higher perspective, I could see, oh, that's where I usually get lost, right over there. Oh, there's the parking lot I always turn around in so I can come back here. And from that moment to this moment, I've never got lost downtown. You know why? Because I got a perspective higher than my own. All of us in this room, we can't live our lives by our own natural perspective. We need the perspective of God when it comes to our ministry, our family, our everyday living, the choices we make. We cannot be like Joshua that we just live by what we see in the moment. Number three, you've got to not just understand the enemies out there to destroy. You've got to defy the enemy's strategies. The enemy came to Joshua with one purpose. He said it out loud. I've come to make a treaty with you. The word treaty is the first cousin to another word that's called compromise. The enemy came to Joshua to say, I'm trying to figure out what compromise we can come to that will let me live in the land that God has given you. And today, the enemy is trying to do the same. He's asking you and me every day, what, can I, what kind of treaty can I make with you? How much of my activity will you allow in your life? We think of things like, well, Pastor, how, how, does, how does the enemy try to get me to compromise? Well, it's not usually, he's not usually dressed up in a red devil suit with a pitchfork. Like I said, that would, be, that would be easy. So he does things like uh, causing us to be fearful. Not, not understand a certain amount of fear is common, but I'm talking about paralyzing fear. Fear that keeps you from doing what you know God's called you to, to do. Paul told Timothy, he said, God's not given us this spirit of fear but of power, love, and self-control. He'll, he'll get you to uh, make treaties in your life. If, he can't, if fear doesn't work, he'll, he'll question what God is saying. That's what he did with Eve in the garden. He'll question you with doubt. Did God really say this? Is God really trustworthy? Will he really do for you what he did for someone else? If that doesn't work, he'll get you to talking or believing in half-truths. Which, by the way, I believe one of the ways that the enemy is working in the world today among churches, especially among Christian people, is half-truths. Did you know that if, if what you're hearing and believing is 99% accurate, then that's a lie? Or if I'm counting on my own ability, that's what most of us would call pride. If I'm worshiping things instead of the Creator, if I'm being distracted by the plan of God, all of these are strategies that the enemy uses to lure us into compromise with the enemy. So we've got to do what the fourth thing is to this morning. We've got to demolish. Say this word with me, demolish. Demolish every opportunity for deception in your life. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4. 
It says, therefore, you got to put it off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of all of one body, and you're angry, you don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do you understand what this scripture is saying when he says, don't be angry, don't sin, don't give the devil a foothold? What, what the apostles teaching us is the only ground the devil has in my life is ground that I gave him. And the only way I gave him ground is when I begin to employ my thoughts instead of God's thoughts. When I take my actions instead of God's actions. We give the enemy a place in our lives when we choose to live by his activities instead of God's activities. That's why Romans chapter 13 says, Instead... Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. So we've been praying, God, open our eyes to the strategy of the enemy. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. As I get ready to close this in prayer, I've got a couple of questions I want to ask. First thing is not a question, it's just more of an admiration an admonishment this morning, I would just challenge you to stop giving up what the enemy can never steal. And too many of us are giving up what cannot be stolen simply because we do things our ways instead of God's ways. We make room for Him with the thoughts we think, the behaviors we justify, and the desires that we want to do. And some of you today, you're sitting here and you realize the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about compromises you've been making. They've been compromises of your conviction. They've been compromises of, of your activity. And long before I said anything about it this morning, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about surrendering. He's, I believe the, the spotlight of heaven has been highlighting to you what it is that is causing you to stumble and what you may never admit to a person or because someone said this morning you're, you're ready and willing to deal with it because you realize you've been, you've been giving up ground. You've been surrendering promises. You've been surrendering territory to the enemy. You've been letting him set up a camp and land that belongs to God. That belongs to you. And today, say, you know, Pastor, the Spirit of God's just been, He's been talking to me today that I've been giving up ground. I've been listening to the wrong voices. I've been justifying what I should be crucifying. I've just, I've just not really been responding to the voice of the Lord. But today, I'm tired of the enemy having room in my life. I'm tired of him having destruction where there ought to be promise. And so today I'm evicting him from my life. With God's help, we're going to evict him from my life this morning. If that's you, would you just lift a hand real quick? That's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. All across this room. Amen. Sometimes, as believers, we just have to... Maybe we can't even see the enemy face to face, but you just have to yell at the darkness and say, listen, no more. No more. Whatever it takes, 
no more. I'm not going to give up ground to the enemy that God says belongs to me. The Gibeonites knew there was no way they could win or steal or exist unless they deceived Joshua into granting permission and granting them ground. And so they worked. The only way they knew how was through deception. The enemy knows that there's no way he can have any rulership in your life unless he deceives you and you grant it to him. So here's our first prayer. I want to ask everyone just to say this prayer in your own words, in your own mouth, just there at your seat, however you want to. But I want you to build an altar right there where you're seating and surrender this moment to the Lord. Father, we just say no more. God, we say no more. No more will we listen and examine, make decisions just on what we see with our eyes of the, of the natural. No longer will we make decisions just based on what we hear other people say and what we perceive ourselves. But God, we want to we want to make decisions based on what you're saying. And God, I also pray that those who lifted their hands, that they're saying no more. God, I pray that today they will say no more compromise. No more justifying what you say to deal with. I pray you'll give them holy boldness and holy courage to deal with things in their own lives that you've been telling them to deal with. And Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would come and release into them the Spirit that enables us to do more than we could do on our own, the Spirit of Christ. I pray that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead would now rise up in every believer today to deal with those things that are causing us to give up ground that we should never give up. Lord, I pray in just a few moments as people stand that they will stand in boldness and they will stand in courage and they will stand for what you say to stand for. God, help us to never give up another inch of ground that you say belongs to us. In Jesus' name. Then secondly today, I want to ask you to look at me. Second prayer is this. God, would you restore what the enemy stolen. Would you give back what I let loose of? Do you know, if you hit fast forward, even though Joshua blew it and gave up land he should have never given up, the Gibeonites kind of become a thorn in the flesh of Joshua. For a little while, but then by the time King David rolled around, you'll discover that some of David's mighty men were Gibeonites. That God took what Joshua let go, and because they were faithful to God from that point on, God took what was a loss and made it a strength for future generations. I don't know how many of my prayers I just pray, God, would you let even my losses be a strength for the next generation? 
for my family, for my kids. Did you know God has a way of restoring what the enemy stole? And God has a way of using for, for good what the enemy meant for bad. And we've all given up what we should have kept. Amen? Right? Don't look at me in that Sunday morning face. We've all, we've all given up things we should have kept. Right? So how about we ask the Lord, God, sanctify it and redeem it and do something great out of it. Amen? If you will pray that prayer, would you join me by standing today? And we say, God, restore what we let go of. God, use what was once a defeat in our life, Lord, to be a strength, not just in my life, but in generations to come. God, redeem what we thought was ruined. And God, what the enemy meant to be for evil, God, work it for good in our lives. God, I pray right now, restoration power upon every believer. God, I pray that none of us would live a victim mentality that says what we lost is lost and what is gone is gone. But Lord, I pray even our losses would be turned around for the glory of God. And I pray what the enemy did mean for evil yesterday would be worked for good. And I pray that just as Joshua and Caleb continued to conquer the rest of the land, I pray that we would continue full forward conquering everything you've told us to conquer. That we would give no room for the enemy in our life. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, I pray over the people today. God, I pray you'll bless them and keep them. Pray your face will shine upon them. Give them peace and joy, both now and forever. And before you go, look at me one more time. If you told the devil no more, I really believe you need to tell somebody else that you've told them, you've told them, you've put notice, no more. I believe there's something that happens when we make ourselves when we present ourselves to be accountable to someone and we tell someone, listen, this is what I'm doing, and we enlist someone to pray with us about that, I believe there's chains that are broken in those moments. And I challenge you from this, from this moment to do that. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great, wonderful afternoon. Hello, this is Greg Sanders, pastor of the Assembly here in Cabot. I want to say thanks for listening today. If you are ever in the Cabot area, we'd love to have you join us for a service. For service times, check out our webpage at theassemblycabot.com. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and God bless.